My Texas Table presents the Healthy Brain Podcast. This is the show for people who want to improve their brain stability, clarity, and longevity. Here's your host, certified health coach, Carrie Wainwright-Miller. Hey, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning into the Healthy Brain Podcast, a place to connect for real talk because your brain matters. And today I've got a special guest for you. She's been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Conscious Company Magazine, and a variety of other magazines and news comp- uh, publications. She's referred to as the Food is Medicine Guru by the James Beard Foundation. She's the chef and mastermind behind the most anti-inflammatory restaurant of its kind. Welcome, Chef Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. We're so excited to talk with you here on the Healthy Brain Podcast and learn all about you, your amazing restaurant, and why you do what you do. But first, right off the bat, I've got to tell y'all about Chef Elizabeth's Restaurant. Listeners, you've never encountered a restaurant quite like Farm Table. It is the healthiest array of the most clean, delicious foods under one roof that I've ever tasted. And I might add, your plating is absolutely beautiful, spot on. Thank you so much. Well, we try to get out of the way and let Mother Nature sing with all of the ingredients that we put on your plate that are great for your brain, great for your heart, and great for the rest of your body. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Chef, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you got started in the food industry? Well, I went to cooking school in Mexico. And then I began, and when we came back to the United States, I worked in New Orleans and I also worked in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And then I came back to Texas in 2007 after having been gone for a little over 10 years. And it was at that point that the Culinary Institute of America was establishing their third campus in the United States here in San Antonio. Yes. And I was hired to help them get that project off the ground and to create an archive of all the foods of Latin America for the school. And so that's what brought me back here to San Antonio. I was with them for six years working as a chef instructor and Latin cuisine expert. And I had a calling to heal people with food. And I left my job at the end of 2013. And here we are. The rest is history. Well, I'm so glad you made back to Texas. Thank you so much. Well, what do they say about uh, you can take the girl out of Texas, but you can never take Texas out of the girl. So I guess I'm I'm uh, I'm proof that that everyone can get pulled back to this great state. Absolutely. So glad to have you. So now um, I wanted to take us back to when you first had the idea of opening a restaurant and what exactly was going through your mind when you decided to plop a healthy restaurant like in the midst of this San Antonio area, the Tex-Mex cuisine. So I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball because I never planned to open up a restaurant. So honestly, Farm Table, the way it was conceived, was supposed to be a disruptive food business. I did not want to have a restaurant. I wanted to create a subscription-based meal delivery service. But after having done that for the first six months of, of our initial launch, it became clear to me that... The only people signing up for my meal subscription 
a very niche group of very wealthy people who really didn't represent the greater population. And I noticed I didn't have any millennials in my meal subscription because most people don't have the kind of disposable income to put down, you know, um, $800 at the beginning of a month for a meal subscription or, uh, you know, for a six week period of time. And so it became clear to me that since my calling was to heal people with food and I really wanted to uh, make a difference in as many lives as possible, that opening up a restaurant was, um, was an absolute necessity. And so it was literally just a fluke. Perhaps it was destiny that this, uh, particular location came came to my attention. And I honestly, I opened it up as a pop-up. I didn't think that I would be here for more than a year. I didn't know if I was going to continue. Uh, the, the idea was never to create a permanent restaurant. The idea was to create a pop-up and the pop-up morphed into a restaurant. And here we are almost five years later. Well, we are so glad that you did. <laughs> so, Chef, you obviously know um, what you're talking about when it comes to clean anti-inflammatory foods. Can you please describe for us the foods that are anti-inflammatory for the gut that you incorporate into your foods here at the farm table? Sure. Let me start by saying uh, I'm, I'm going to list all the foods that we don't have. Okay. So, uh, so farm table is, like I said, is a synonym for culinary medicine. And the whole purpose of trying to heal people with foods is to remove the major culprits of inflammation in today's modern day diet, which are wheat, dairy, sugar, processed foods, and too much animal protein. So we are not vegan, but 97% of the menu is vegan. But what we do is we add our animal proteins that are all non-GMO, all sourced from clean local farms. We, we give you three ounces of beef, chicken, or pork, and you can add that to absolutely anything on the menu. And so when we talk about, um, you know, our food philosophy at Farm Table is informed by modern medical research, as well as what I would call ancient practices. So it's an old world meets new world. And I think that we have to go back and look at old world philosophies from Ayurveda to traditional Chinese medicine, um, more recently, macrobiotics, as well as really valuable research from the Mayo Clinic, Harvard School of Public Health, and then, of course, the Blue Zones research that National Geographic did looking at the octogenarian uh, cultures around the world and what really translates into longevity. So the commonalities between all these different practices is that basically all of these old world practices are anti-inflammatory. And we build on that here at Farm Table. And because we only deal with local seasonal produce, we have to use a global spice pantry in order to keep things interesting and in order to have people not get sick of eating beets or sweet potatoes or collard greens mm -hmm. or radishes or the things that really grow almost year-round here in Texas. Yes. Gosh, we are so on the same page about things. This is why I wanted to talk to you so bad and do this interview. So, Chef... Uh, knowing how important these foods are to our bodies and brain, do you cater out to individuals? You mentioned that a little bit. You touched on it earlier. And it's individuals who have dietary restrictions, perhaps chronic disease. We do. We try to cater to anyone that has any sort of 
ailment that is caused by chronic inflammation in the body. And as you well know, 80% of your health and wellness is based on nutrition. So if you have any chronic disease whatsoever, for you not to tackle your nutrition first is missing the boat. So the other thing that's really important about um, about reducing inflammation in the body is that you talk about brain health. Well, guess where our brains are located? In our guts. Yes. So if we do not start with, with gut health and consuming foods that are easily digested, so that's another layer and another lens that we put onto our entire menu. So you mentioned that it looks pretty and that the foods kind of, you know, pop off the plate and that it tastes good. But really what the most important part about the food is that we cook it in a way um, with uh, different seasoning agents, spices, cooking techniques that allows it to be easily digested in the gut. Because if the food cannot get through the gut and absorbed through the digestive process, then we're missing the mark. Then you're not getting the nutrition that you need. I've had everyone from cancer patients to people with rheumatoid arthritis to people with MS that all have different dietary needs and all have different uh, requirements for getting their their health back on track. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether we're talking about somebody who's just been diagnosed with MS who needs to be on a Bredesen Keto Flex protocol uh, to somebody that is in cancer treatment and really needs to make sure that they aren't consuming uh, foods that have um, any sugar in them to people that have rheumatoid arthritis and just have are plagued with chronic inflammation in the body. Um, we we deal with people with all types of uh, ailments, and then also people that just want to be healthy, and they're trying to prevent the ailments in the first place. Because if you eat this way on a consistent basis, you'll notice that so many of your symptoms just literally they just dissolve away. It's so true. I mean, you know, we get off track a lot of times, you know, and I'm just, you know, speaking for me and the listeners here that we get off track and, and we don't quite realize that uh, until we start feeling bad, you know, and then we've got to get back on the protocols. Well, I also think that our food industry makes it really easy for people to get off track and we need more, we need a food movement. We need a movement of people. I always say people need to vote with your forks. So uh, with their forks. So if you're a listener, vote with your fork. And that means you need to start demanding more anti-inflammatory foods and uh, also requiring, you know, more information about where your food comes from, because it's, it's really important. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, on the way over here, I passed Shipley's, and that is a huge downfall of mine and probably a lot of other people. So, uh, you know, it's it's like the food's just calling your name, especially when you're, you know, when you're from the South, and that's what we were raised on, a lot of gluten, a lot of sugar at every meal. Look, make no bones about it. We are all addicted to sugar, and the more... I mean, the more gut flora and the more probiotics and prebiotics that you have in your gut, the less you're going to crave those foods. But also you need to understand that when your body seriously craves that sugar um, or that that uh, deadly, you know, um, Bermuda Triangle of 
of fat, sugar, and and salt, that you it really is um, a sign that your gut needs more nourishment. And the more you nourish your gut, the less you're actually going to crave those foods. And that's one of the beauties of Ayurveda is that it teaches you how to curb your cravings and how because that's where it starts is the is the cravings. Yes. So if the body is out of balance, it's going to stay out of balance. Um, and so eating foods that bring the body into balance is step one. Okay. Well, I'll just come and show up at your restaurant every single day. How about that? That sounds great. <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay. So let's get back. Let's kind of get back to um, talking about the healthy dishes and um, the dietary restrictions with individuals with chronic disease. Can, can you please share with the audience like one of your favorite stories of how your healthy dishes have drastically made a difference in the life of an individual? Um, maybe even to the point of a reversal of a disease. Sure. Well, um, I had a gentleman come to the restaurant for the first time a year ago. And when he came, he showed up on my doorstep, having been referred to me from another health and wellness coach, um, a Pilates instructor. And I'm just going to throw this out there. I think she's a healer as well that um, she had been recommended by by him. And he showed up on my doorstep and said, I'm considering all, all options right now, and I'm going to start with my nutrition program, but I've been diagnosed with lung cancer, and I am going to go through, I'm going to decide what kind of treatments I, I'm going to choose to undergo, but nutrition uh, is going to be one of the top things that I do. And so he ate with us pretty religiously uh, for that uh, for the entirety of last year. And I know that by the end of last year, he had undergone um, he had undergone both alternative as well as Western medical treatments for cancer. He had eaten with us overwhelming the overwhelming majority of the year. Uh, and he was at that point in remission. So that's amazing. I love to hear stories like that. I do too. I do too. I've had other people who have um, who have rheumatoid arthritis that they've dealt with who, after eating our food for a week, have called me crying, telling me that they had not run up their stairs in 20 years, and they were literally able to run up their stairs after having reduce the major culprits of inflammation and ate, you know, and, and having eaten an anti-inflammatory diet for a week. So whether it's a six-week protocol or it's a week protocol, I can tell you that everyone's different, but you start feeling the effects of what you're eating pretty immediately. And that's why I feel like food is such a powerful uh, weapon for us to use in, in healing ourselves and then obviously keeping us from getting sick, because that's the whole purpose. So Chef Elizabeth, I understand that you believe strongly in the plant-based diet. You've been talking about it throughout um, our interview. Let's, can we talk a little bit more about this? It, it seems to be there's a lot of conflicting stories out there about not being able to sustain a plant-based diet because your body needs meat. So when I, I mentioned the word protein to my listeners, they're probably thinking beef, chicken, pork, but many health food advocates now focus on the importance of clean proteins. Can you please give us some examples of clean protein and why you advocate for them? 
Sure. Well, you basically have two buckets, but when we're talking about plant-based proteins and you're talking strictly about clean protein, a lot of doctors and health food professionals today in 2020 define clean protein as a protein source that has both protein and fiber. And guess what? That is not found in the animal uh, protein world. That is only found in the plant world. So what would that be? That would be things like legumes. That would be things like seeds and nuts that, that, that have a high level of protein and also come with fiber. And so many people have probably heard the importance of, uh, well, they understand what the difference is between a Coca-Cola and an apple. The apple has sugar, but it has fiber. The Coca-Cola has sugar, but it has no fiber. So when you drink the Coca-Cola, it goes right through the blood, you know, it goes straight to the bloodstream. And when you eat an apple, that sugar is absorbed and assimilated at a much slower rate because the body has to work through all the fiber to get to the sugar. So it's a little bit of the same uh, principle in the sense that the fiber that's being developed, that's being delivered with the protein is a huge benefit for the human body. And so we cannot say enough about fiber. We need more fiber in our bodies. And that's one of the things that kind of scares me about really, really high saturated fat diets. Um, when I said that we, follow, we we have some keto flex protocols, there's no dairy on the keto flex protocol. So for and for me... It is a huge warning sign and a huge red flag when people want to talk about brain health because that's one of the things that people tout about a, a keto diet. But then, you know, really, truly, the keto diet was created for people with epilepsy as well as uh, cancer treatments, um, well, to, to go hand in hand with cancer treatments as well as Alzheimer's treatments. And the lactose that is present in dairy products is going to, it's going to translate into sugar. So mm-hmm. that's why I prefer a keto flex um, menu, which is something that I probably naturally gravitate towards because of my particular body type. But when I removed dairy from my particular diet years ago, I saw immediate changes and immediate benefits in not having dairy in my diet. And again, we're all created differently. It's yes. not a one size fits all solution. But um, I know that people think of dairy as a protein source. They think of protein, animal proteins as a protein source. And then they also think of the vegetarian um, proteins, which would be like processed foods, which are tofu and tempeh and things of that nature. And, you know, tofu in principle isn't a bad thing. It's a cheese made out of soybeans. The problem is soybeans are a highly toxic crop. They are not something that we cook with here at Farm Table. When we do cook with anything that has any traces of soy in it, like a fermented organic miso, we make sure that we know exactly where those soybeans came from because you have to have organic non-GMO soybeans. And so I think that one of the one of the pitfalls that people easily put themselves into is that, as you pointed out, they've been completely brainwashed by our food lobbies to think that protein equals animal source and the body needs this much protein. And if you go into a plant-based diet, you won't be able to have all those proteins. But really, all of that is just food politics. And it's a bunch of fooey because there is so much protein and calcium available in the plant world that you 
may or may not meet, need animal protein. Um, it's really dependent on your activity level. It's a, dependent on your age, your gender, your BMI. Uh, there's so many different factors that go into play, but make no make no doubt that when you eat an animal protein, it is far more taxing on your digestive system because it requires so much more energy to break down. Yes. So mm-hmm. a lot of people really prefer the way that they feel after they eat plant based proteins, which are quote clean because they, you know, have all that wonderful fiber. It also gives us more flora in the gut. Yeah, I understand. I know when I eat plant-based, I feel so much better. I mean, I I can focus better. So I have a more uh, productive day. I have regular bowel movements, you know, my skin and hair looks healthier and my sleep is better. Those are many of the uh, off. The, I'll, I'll put. I'll, I'll call them the uh, byproducts. Those are many mm-hmm. of the byproducts that so many of my customers uh, talk about, and yeah. so it's really wonderful. People always talk about um, that. They, they they always want to talk about those specific mm-hmm. issues, and who doesn't want to have better skin and better hair and a better digestive system yeah. and sleep better? It's just all. It translates to health. Yeah, and and on a side note, just. Curious. Um, you're plant-based, correct? I am not a hundred percent plant-based. I will I would say I'm about ninety-seven to ninety-eight percent plant-based. It just depends on the day. And it depends also um, on what we're doing. But because we serve meat in the restaurant, I think that it's incumbent upon me to make sure that I taste everything in the cafe. Mm-hmm. Have you always served meat? We've always served meat. We've never not served meat. Gosh, I didn't know that the first time I uh visited here at farm table it was just i was so drawn into all the greens and um the the bright pinks well definitely plants are the protagonist here uh and meat is more of the you know the accessory but far be it from me i would never presume to uh, to to dictate to anybody that they needed to only eat certain foods again the only things that i remove from our particular protocol are the major culprits of inflammation mm-hmm. in our modern day conventional us diet and so that's the that's what we eliminate but we but we have foods for for all walks of uh life in terms of you know all people depending on uh on their specific dietary needs yeah i love that so um chef your kitchen follows cuisine from the blue zones you mentioned blue zones earlier um i've read uh the blue zones book and i'm familiar with the study but can you share with our audience a little bit about blue zones and um what don is it is it butner found to be true around the world Sure. Well, one of the things that I thought was so interesting about that study, there's really only three there there's only three things that are that are food based about that study. The rest of it is all lifestyle. So, at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about other things that you can do to be healthful, and that lifestyle component is so important. And um so let me just cook I'll I'll go over the 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 three th- uh, commonalities that they found uh, amongst all the uh, six different blue zones in the world that have to deal with food. So number one, all of the blue zones, people eat a primarily plant-based diet. And a caveat of that is that a lot of these people are also growing their own food because they have little gardens or they have community gardens and they're naturally active. So their hands are in the dirt. 
their fingers are in contact with good microbes that do what? They actually make you happier. They <laughs> they work as yeah. a um, insulator for uh, things such as depression and um, and who doesn't want to be pulling something out of the ground and then eating it? I mean, the satisfaction is just amazing. So uh, primarily plant-based diet. The um, And then legumes and whole grains actually featured very prominently in all of the different cultures. And so, of course, today, you know, there's so many different – there's so many different diet fads, whether it's paleo or whether it's uh, keto or keto flex. Um, you know, there are so many – even vegan. I mean, I think that, you know, you can go to – you pick your documentary, whether it's Game Changer or Forks Over Knives or, you know, we can go down the list of all the different documentaries out there that propose and espouse different ways of eating. But it's hard for me as an anthropologist to believe that foods that we domesticated over several thousand years are bad. What I think is dangerous is when those foods become genetically modified and they become doused with with chemicals like glyphosate, which everybody needs to, that's the whole reason why GMOs are so, so um, dangerous, both to our gut, um, our bodies and our brains is because of the chemicals that are put on them. But, um, but that for me is, is really, um, um, that, that is why so many of the, the, the ingredients that the paleo diet and that the keto diet ha- or even the plant paradox diet have decided are bad is, um, you know, we talk about lectins, but then they also talk about, um, about you know, these very high-carb foods. But if you're going to eat a primarily plant-based diet, you need good carbs in your, in your diet to feel satiated. Otherwise, you're never going to feel full. If all you do is eat, if, if, you, if you vilify legumes, which are such a great co- source of clean protein, yes. then it's going to be um, really hard for you to, to fill up. And if you've also vilified, um, you know, anything from the nightshade family um, or you're scared to eat sweet potatoes or, you know, where are you going to get some of those good macros and good starches from? So that's, um, uh, you know, that's where I stand on, on some of those issues. But, um, but the other part of the blue zones research that I think is, is really phenomenal is that it goes through the nine principles of healthy living and, um, and talks about the quality of life that the people in the blue zones have. They all have a sense of spirituality. They all have a sense of community. The elders um, um, have a huge role in the life of the the very youngest rung of the population. They're an integral part of the family and of the community. And I could go on and on, but um, they're the, the other thing that they don't do is they don't overeat. And probably the reason that they don't overeat is because they are literally and figuratively breaking bread at a table with other humans. And they're not just eating mindlessly in front of a television or trying to eat something in the car from, you know, going from point A to point B. And I think that's one of our greatest um, um, shortcomings as a nation is that with the industrialization of, um, of our country, we industrialized our food, which was a bad move. And we also tried to industrialize the way we consume food, which if, 
again, if you go back to the old world and if you go to special holidays, what do we do? We say a prayer, we break bread, we we stop, we give thanks. And if you're not doing that on a daily basis and you're just in fight or flight mode and the vagus nerve is completely pushing and pumping cortisol through your veins, you're never going to be able to digest your food and you're never going to be able to have that gut and or brain health that you're hoping for because the body's not going to function properly. Yeah. I mean, and it's so typical in the larger cities. I mean, we get so busy, you know, we're, it takes us, you know, 45 minutes to an hour sometimes to get to work and back and we're, we're just on fight or flight all the time. We're stressed at work. Um, so yeah, we're, we're eating the, the first thing that we come to sometimes, you know, at a restaurant. Sure. You're hangry. Yeah. You're hangry. You've allowed your blood sugar to drop. Um, and also that's another thing that's really important is, um, is eating, um, in rhythm, like, you know, with the, the, the circadian rhythm of the day Mm -hmm. and eating at, at, um, at habitual times throughout the day, not skipping meals. Um, and if you're going to do intermittent fasting, having your intermittent fasting, uh, be the same protocol that you do on a daily basis. So anyway, those are just some of the things that, uh, that, that Dan Bootner, um, discusses and, um, uh, and shares with his blue zones study. And I just, um, I love the fact that it's so culturally rich and diverse and that, um, and that they were able to weave these commonalities between these six disparate Mm -hmm. communities around the world. It was such an interesting book. Um, I tell you what, it sounds like um, when you were explaining all this that we, what we need to be doing is is like a little commu- being a little community in Italy. Well, actually, I don't know if you know this, but Dan has been working with city governments around the United States, and Fort Worth is now a blue zone. Really? Yes, ma'am. And so here in That's Texas, exciting in Texas, is, right? It is. We got to get Houston and San Antonio on board. Oh, and yeah. Austin, but really, it has to also do with the way the communities are laid out, or the communities laid out in such a way that people are encouraged to walk. They're encouraged to bike. The, you know, the downfall is we all are living in these suburbia neighborhoods and everyone drives from point A to point B. They spend far too much time in their car. Their, um, the the um, architectural design and layout of our communities is insular as opposed to welcoming um, uh, more community engagement involvement. Nobody has, very few people have front porches anymore. Very few people hang out on their front porches. I know that I personally don't have a front porch today, but about six years ago, uh, I had a front porch and I met every single person in my community on that front porch. (sighs) in a small town here in Texas. And it was one of the greatest experiences ever. And it has been something sorely missed since I moved to San Antonio, not having that front porch to just, you know, it's so such a welcoming way to, to, to meet people and engage your community. Mm, I absolutely agree. We bought some property over in Fisher, Texas here recently, and it's got a porch on the house. And it's just amazing when we have people over and we just, it's, you know, we cook and, we actually have time to sit and listen to one another's stories and you know it's 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 refreshing so if you have a house in fisher you're going to invite me with, during <laughs> fisher fest right <laughs> I actually, my husband and I worked Fisher Fest a couple months ago. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Great country singers. Yeah, it was just a, 
uh, it was a great group of people. Maybe we should do a, a, a clean cooking uh, tailgate at Fisher oh, Fest. Oh, girl, that sounds awesome. Yes, I'm definitely going to invite you to the house. Definitely. I'll put that down. Well, Chef Elizabeth, that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Healthy Brain Podcast. Please share with our audience your website, any of your social media that you have, and, and cooking classes that are coming up. Absolutely. So all of the information about our cooking classes uh, and our meal plans are available online, farmtable.com, spelled P-H-A-R-M-T-A-B-L-E.com. And you can also check out our menu. So if you're traveling to San Antonio, our entire menu is available online. We also try to be transparent about our NutriFacts, so you can find those uh, on the menu page as well. And uh, we just welcome you. We're going to be opening up for dinner service soon. We offer three cooking classes a month that are listed on the website. We also offer special events as well. So check us out. Chef, we so appreciate you taking the time to sit down and discuss just how healthy it is to eat good, clean, anti-inflammatory food to keep our bodies and brains functioning at its best. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. You're welcome. Food is medicine, right? Yes, ma'am. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace personalized advice from your healthcare provider. If you have specific medical questions, please talk to a licensed medical professional.